Our scripture reading this morning is Matthew 11, and it's verses 2 through 11. This is the NLT version. Hear now the word of God. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard all about the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for somebody else? Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer to when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. This is the word of God for the people of God. I don't know what it is about Christmas music, but you just want to sway back and forth as you listen to it just over and over again. How many of y'all have ever wanted to be part of a great adventure? You know, maybe the type of journey uh, in which you can sit around the campfire with your loved ones and friends, and and you can fill the air with stories of your heroism and danger and redemption and romanticism, And, and at some point, as they're listening to your exploits, they'll be so moved that someone will grab a drink, and then they'll want to make a toast in your honor, right? That is that the type of journey that y'all want to be? Is that just me? It's just me. Okay. Once a, a hero of mine, and you may know him, uh, his name was Bilbo Baggins, okay, desired the same thing in the novel The Hobbit. And right before his great adventure, uh, Gandalf, uh, the wizard slash theologian of Middle Earth, and Bilbo discussed this very topic. And I want to let you in on that conversation real quick. It started with Gandalf going, Bilbo, the world is not in your books and maps. It's, it's out there. Well, Gandalf, I, I just can't go running off into the blue. I'm a Baggins. I belong at Bag End. You are also a Took. And did you know that your great, 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 great uncle Bullroar Took was so large that he could ride a real horse? Yeah, I, I knew that. Well, he could, and in the Battle of Greensfield, he charged the goblin ranks, and he swung his club so hard, it knocked the goblin's king's head clean off, and it sailed a hundred yards until it went down a rabbit hole, and thus the battle was won, and the game of golf was invented all at the same time. I do believe you are making that up, Gandalf. All good stories deserve some embellishment. You'll have a tale or two to tell of your own when you come back. 
And at this point, the mood gets a little more serious, and, and Bilbo is a little more thoughtful. And he goes, Gandalf, can you promise I will come back? No. And if you do, you will not be the same. It's an amazing story, in my opinion, that highlights what we might consider an adventure or a quest. Now, an adventure often has a predetermined location that you've decided that you're going to travel to ahead of time with, with preconceived thrills, right? It might be a lot like going to the lake. And at the lake, we're going to swim, we're going to tube, we're going to ride around and have fun and say hi to people as they pass by on the boats. And at the end of it, if we're lucky, we'll get to stop at the lighthouse for dinner. And then we'll return home. And we'll be just as we were before we went on that trip. This is a great type of journey. It's a break in your routine. You mean, and I should say, you expect to return from this type of journey unharmed, intact, just as when you left to go on it, with a few good memories that you can share around the campfire. On the other hand, a quest is very different, as alluded to by Gandalf in our story. A person on a quest is called to places they may not know on roads with which they may be unfamiliar. A person on a quest may not know their destination and they may not know how they will arrive at their destination, but they do know one thing. They know that if they go on this quest, they will never ever be the same again. And John the Baptist from our scripture reading today he understood that, that this pathway that we call discipleship, it is a quest, not an adventure. And from this vantage point, we can outline for ourselves from Scripture what we might learn about discipleship from John. Now, the Scripture starts in a weird way. It starts with John telling some messengers as, he, as he's in prison and he poses this question to the messengers to tell Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or should we wait for another? It sounds pointed, almost as I would ask a question, a little sarcastic, right? It's as if John, imprisoned and, and realizing the full scope of his circumstance, he's on death row, he's frustrated with Jesus. It's almost as if John doubts who he knew or knows Jesus to be. And yet, as we read on in the scripture, Jesus' response doesn't give any weight to these assertions. Jesus responds by telling the messenger, tell John what is happening. Tell John the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Even further, Jesus lifts John. There has never been one born greater of women. It makes more sense than 
that John is convicted, just as we are led to believe as John is convicted through the Gospels, but that his question is a reflection of his desire to continue to learn more about Jesus, even in prison. And this exchange highlights one of the two significant points from this encounter. The first point, it's been on the screen here for a little bit, a disciple knows that he or she is still learning, is still learning how to follow Jesus. Now, it's not that there are no expectations for discipleship. It's, it's not that the wealth of knowledge that is offered through the great traditions of the church, capital C, has nothing to show us of spiritual maturity. It's that we don't live a static existence. We, all of us, as followers of Christ, have been born again of the Spirit. We serve a risen God that is a God that is alive, who is continually bringing us new experiences and greater faith. This is a reality of the quest that we are on as faithful disciples. A disciple that concedes that he or she is still learning how to follow Jesus is a person who is always pointing to Christ in the world. It's a way of being, an orientation that echoes the humble sentiment from John's words in Mark when he says, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. When we act and behave in ways that reflect that we are still learning how to follow Jesus, as John the Baptist did, we become externally aware of what God is doing in the world around us. We become outwardly focused instead of inwardly proud. Now, the second point, a disciple may not always look or act in the ways we expect. I can't tell you how hard it was for me to put this one down on paper as I was writing. In my heart, I'm a conventional type of guy. I like tradition, right? I like the white collar, I like the regalia, I like the robes and cassocks and, and goodness. I get this call from the DS early last year that says, would you like to come to Bee Creek? Would you like to have that opportunity? And then I come and there's no robes and there's no cassocks, but it's still a great place. Really, it's a great place, okay? Don't go telling Pastor Laura I just said those things. Um, Jesus says of John from our scripture today, what did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet. Now, earlier in Matthew, we are told that John wore a garment made of camel hair, and he ate, he ate locusts and honey, like we would eat Chex Mix or something, okay? He did not look 
or behave in ways that the established spiritual leadership of the time looked and behaved. And seemingly, he came from the wilderness. Everything about John the Baptist screamed unexpected. So it should come to no surprise that a defining and a beautiful characteristic of the church, capital C, is that it has always been that it has consisted of unexpected people doing very surprising things. And it's an amazing lesson about the mystery of God's call in our lives. That God is just as likely to use the unexpected as God is likely to use the robes and the collar. Each of you has a call from God. God calls you as individuals. And yes, part of that call involves accountability from the broad body of believers, but your call is unique. God whispers in your ear right where you are. God tugs at your heart right where it is. And if you have felt that and you've looked around you and you couldn't decide whether the church has made room for you or whether there was an established route, I don't want you to lose heart because the church is full of unexpected people that help take the church in unforeseen directions. This is our history. And remember, we are on a quest. And sometimes on that quest, all we have is our call from God. Now, many of you may be familiar with the term Advent. It comes from the Latin Adventus, which means coming or visit. And each year, the church embarks on this perennial journey that we call Advent, which begins today, this Sunday, and then extends all the way to Christmas Eve. Now, traditionally, during this period of the church calendar, we wait and we anticipate the coming of the Messiah. Now, often when I think of waiting and anticipating, I don't always see that as a process by which I can be transformed, a way in which I can be changed. And yet, when I read this scripture, I think John the Baptist has shown us that waiting, because he was waiting in prison, is a quest. A quest that if we allow it for ourselves, will change us. Now, if I can get personal for just a moment, for years, I measured my own faith journey much like I would measure the success of an adventure. And I would ask myself questions like this. Did, did I acquire all the proper skills to take this adventure? Did I do all the right things consistently enough for this adventure to go well? And like Bilbo asked, is it certain 
that I will come back. And I can hear the words of Gandalf echo in my head, no, no, but if you do, you will not be the same. This path of discipleship that we are on is like a quest. And we should know, and we should hold this close, that Jesus never promises us that we will not be changed by it. Or like John, it might lead us to prison. Jesus means to transform us. And this Advent season, I would encourage you to begin to treat your faith journeys like a quest. Expect the unexpected. And orient your hearts to learning more about this coming Messiah. Amen? Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, we give you thanks for the new experiences that you place in our paths, Lord. Lord, and I pray that you enliven our spirits, that you fix our lenses to see these new experiences as opportunities to learn more about your presence in the world around us. I pray that you instill in our hearts a courage and a discernment to see that you are also in the unexpected. Lord, and I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.